0: Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles.
1: And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. Welcome back to
0: Learning Made Easier. This is episode 76, how to give and receive effective, constructive feedback. Giving and receiving effective and constructive feedback is a part of academic life, not to mention the workplace, but it is also something that students and instructors struggle with. Often the advice offered about this falls into one of two camps, gentle but ineffective at identifying weak spots in the work which can result in lower grades or being mean and sarcastic and insulting which isn't helpful in terms of improvement. Who wants to listen to someone berate them over their work?
1: The key is finding areas in the work that are strong and recognizing them and figuring out not only where work should be strengthened, but also how to strengthen the work. Feedback should be both honest and encouraging. You're not looking to inflate anyone's egos, but you're also not trying to be a nitpicky jerk, especially on a first draft.
0: Now this episode is largely based on a KQED article which we have linked to in the show notes. And it talks about where Emery Lucas, who developed and taught a STEM foundations course in a middle school, comes up with ideas on how to offer effective feedback. Note, these suggestions aren't just for giving feedback as a teacher. The original article is about students giving feedback to their peers. So you can offer them to your students so they can give effective feedback to their peers as well.
1: The first thing Lucas did was incorporate Edward DeBono's thinking hats method in criticism. And we're going to link to this in the show notes as well. And in the thinking hats method, different color hats represent different kinds of feedback and reactions to the thing being critiqued. Yellow hat feedback emphasizes brightness and optimism. So something like, here's what your paper is doing really, really well. You've got a really clear thesis, and I can see where you're going with this paper. Black hat feedback points out problems. Things like, this sentence seems out of place, or you seem to repeat the same idea two or three times. You're trying to be the devil's advocate. You're trying to explain why something might not work. Green hat feedback offers new possibilities or ideas or alternatives, including how to fix black hat problems. Your paragraph here seems a little out of place, but a sentence or two connecting it to the rest of your paper would really improve the work overall.
0: And one thing that she specifically said in this article too, is that when you're doing black hat feedback, you don't provide solutions, you just point out the problems. So that's one difference there. Now, red hat feedback is about the subjective response to the thing being critiqued. So for example, let's say it's a piece of artwork And this is where students can give feedback like the orange colors make me think of the world burning up or the dark blues and grays make me feel really sad. If it's a piece of poetry, students could talk about their emotional response to wording or imagery. And even non humanities work can benefit from red hat feedback. The tone in this article, the way it's written, makes me feel like I'm really stupid for not already understanding how these two theories go together. Blue hat feedback draws attention to the cognitive process or the thinking process. And it can actually be a way for the person whose work is being critiqued to respond. So they explain their thought process or the skill they were working on developing, or even they might say, blue hat time, this is what I want critique and feedback about in this piece. And finally, white hat feedback talks about either information we already know or maybe information we need. And Lucas says she doesn't use this very much, but when she does, it's to draw attention to things that might not have been intentional, but are noticeable. For example, did the student mean to make their homepage on this website project a blue background and then a secondary page green background? And this is often used more to state observations rather than you gotta change this.
1: Lucas uses yellow hat, black hat, and green hat feedback most often with her middle schoolers, but in college, where higher order thinking is often required, teachers may find themselves using red, blue, and white hat feedback fairly often as well. Even with these types of feedback identified, it's possible to give and receive feedback very badly. So how does Lucas make sure her students get the benefit of giving and getting feedback without feeling attacked, defensive, or put on the spot? She sets ground rules and here they are. First, don't give feedback on everything students are doing. Instead, curate the feedback and pick what matters. We live in a time when there's too much information coming in like a flood to our students. It's important to make sure any information we give them is important information. Feedback is appropriate for high-stakes assignments like a research paper, but maybe not so much for a low-stakes worksheet or a quiz.
0: Second, kindness is crucial, and it's really easy to come across as impatient in a real-time interaction, whether that's in person or over Zoom. It's really easy for your written responses to come across as terse or snippy, and it's important to make sure that students don't feel that you're angry with them just because they aren't getting it yet. Make sure you state upfront that you expect mistakes because mistakes are part of the learning process, and see our episode 23 for more on that. Ditch the word should and substitute could or can. Make suggestions instead of giving orders. Say, did you think about, or maybe try it this way, or what if you did this? These are all great stems for these kinds of kind suggestions.
1: Third, focus on one thing at a time to improve. Lucas calls this be helpful. She suggests picking a skill that most students haven't mastered yet, but also one that most students don't suck at. Instead of peppering the students with every skill or every concept do one thing at a time. State that thing. Okay, let's look at the idea of who's having some trouble here. Let's dig into that and keep the conversation focused on that one thing. Be a moderator and coordinator while students discuss the problem or concept and really dig into it.
0: Fourth. Make sure your feedback is specific, not general. Good job or great work. It feels good to say that, but wow, that's weak feedback. It doesn't help students understand what they're doing. Pick out something specific. I like how you fix the run-on sentences so they're more readable. Or I like how you use this theorist to explain the problems in that law and focus on that. And the same thing goes for feedback about errors or issues. I have trouble figuring out how you got from the topic in paragraph four to the new topic in paragraph five, there doesn't seem to be a transition sentence, or there's a quote here, but no citation on page three. Did you just forget to put that in?
1: Fifth, keep things moving along. When the class is giving feedback to a student presenter, find ways to assess how many of them agree with the feedback given by one student or by the teacher without hammering the point into the ground, which could make the presenter feel attacked and get defensive. Using a Google form to give anonymous feedback is one way. Having the professor ask for a show of hands or thumbs up in Zoom as a way of showing agreement with the feedback is another.
0: Finally, and this is important, make sure everyone's held accountable to these feedback rules. Don't allow your students to give other students cruel, unhelpful, or generalized feedback. For cruel and unhelpful feedback, I call it out. John, I don't think saying this sucks helps anyone figure out how to improve for generalized feedback, ask for specifics. Deanne, when you say this is confusing, what specifically is confusing and why?
1: In the same way, if you're giving feedback during grading, ask the student to give you feedback on your feedback. Did anything strike them as unkind, unhelpful, or too general to act upon? And listen to their responses. Sometimes it can be difficult to hear that our feedback felt like an attack or wasn't helpful, but if we don't know these things, we can't learn. Now, I have my students peer review one another's term papers in my classes and offer guided feedback, both to pairs and to individual students. And what I'll do is I walk my students through the rubric. What is this paper's thesis? Is it clear? Are definitions accurate? Are they easy to understand? If I'm having my students look at scenes from a movie or documentary, Do the scenes really show the concept or are they explained thoroughly? If my students are writing a research paper, how do the cited sources work? What do they say about the social problem? This forces students to look at my rubric and we go through the most important parts of it together. I also emphasize that grades are not a zero sum game. I don't have to only give out five A's in the class if I get more papers that really deserve that level of grade. So help each other, help me, help each of you improve your papers. I tell my students, give the kind of feedback that you want to receive, informative, helpful and kind.
0: I also have my students peer review each other's papers as part of the requirement for turning in their own. So if you didn't peer review someone else, I won't grade your paper until you do. And I make it clear that any destructive or unkind feedback will result in consequences they won't like. And I've only had a student do that once, and that was before I started setting that boundary. And I give them a guideline page as part of the last writer's workshop on how to give feedback. So I ask them to go through their partner's paper, and I ask them, you know, first, Is the writing clear? Here's how you critique your classmate's paper. Read through their draft, make notes on any problems you see with the paper, and here are the critiques you can give. Is the writing clear? And so are there $12 words? Is your classmate using words you don't know or don't understand? Are there problems with their spelling or grammar? Do you see sentence fragments or run on sentences? Do you see passive voice, awkwardly written sentences? Is there anything you had to read more than once to figure out what your classmate was trying to say? and then I tell them how to structure the critique. In these cases, the best critique will be, this is unclear because, and if it's something that just needs to be pointed out like passive voice or run on sentences, just write that in the margin and circle or underline the problematic item. And then I ask them to check if the writing is concise. Do they seem to repeat the same thing? So this was what Dinor said about, you know, you've got the same, idea in two paragraphs, can you condense them? Do the paragraphs contain more than one main idea each, which is not a good idea? Uh, is the, is your classmate talking down to the reader? Are they over personalizing by sticking themselves inside the story when they shouldn't be there? Are they using the long site citation format where they're sticking the entire article name and all the author's names in the paragraph instead of using the short citation format? You know, Is there a focus problem? And again, the best critique will be, this is not concise because... And then is the writing complete, you know, do they give a citation for each assertion they make? Did they do the citations correctly? Did they give you a way to know this is what I'm going to talk about first, second, and third, and then they followed that? Does the paper have a stated argument? Does it have a stated conclusion? And just note anything that makes the paper incomplete. And I've had a lot of students tell me that it has been really helpful to have the guideline to be able to go through their classmates paper and know, what am I looking for? What am I supposed to give feedback on? But also knowing that's the kind of feedback they're going to get before they get it. And many of them have told me that they've gone through it and checked themselves with it first, they still have things their peer reviewer finds, but at the same time, they feel a lot more confident about letting their peer review because they know the kind of critique they're going to get. They know that they're not going to see things like only an idiot would write this, or this is stupid, or you're a jerk. They're not going to see stuff like that. And they may have seen that before in classes where their peers were not trained
1: how to give good feedback. Adam and I deal with feedback whenever we submit something for review for publication, because some reviewers may have good intentions with their feedback. And the way I'd like to think of it is, they want their field of knowledge to be advanced. And so they're doing what they can to ensure really high quality scholarship. But the way that feedback is so harshly phrased, it creates an unwelcoming work environment. You don't want your class to be like that. You want your class to be welcoming, to be productive, because that's what students are going to remember. You want people who look forward to your class. You don't want students who are going to dread it.
0: You know, the thing about reviewers makes me think of something I just saw on Twitter the other day, and I don't remember the name, shame on me, but an academic on Twitter tweeted, I just got back the paper that I submitted to such and such journal, and both reviewers said, you need to include work by Jane Smith. I'm Jane Smith. (laughs) And apparently they were both really mean about it, like only an idiot would write this paper without citing Jane Smith. And It's like the reason she didn't was because it was her own work. She didn't want to cite herself. She wanted to promote, you know, and it was just, it was funny, but it was also the reviewers don't know who they're reviewing, for those of you who are listening, Uh, but it was kind of like you don't want to give that kind of feedback to someone without being careful about how you give that kind of feedback. And also teachers, when you're giving feedback, remember the power differential. The students are really aware that you control their grade And it means that they're more likely to be worried about anything that indicates they're not doing well. Even if it's something as simple as, please fix your run on sentences or uh, please don't trust your spell checker on the word organism because this word is so not organism. Give students the right to not change everything you give them feedback on. Ask them to explain why they felt some feedback you gave them maybe wasn't appropriate or wasn't useful. When my students revise and resubmit any assignment, I ask them to include a one page summary of what they changed why they changed it, and what they didn't change, and why they didn't. Because part of accepting feedback is also learning how to use the feedback effectively. And that's another thing we need to be teaching our students how to do.
1: It's how to filter information to get the most important parts. It's what we ask for when our students write papers. It's what we're asking for here when we're talking about giving and receiving feedback. So that's what we have for you in episode 76. If you're finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android. We're hosted on Blueberry.com. Also, we would really appreciate it if you wrote a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts.
0: And be sure to join us next week for episode 77, when we'll talk about something crucial, how to ask for help. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash Easier.
1: We look forward to seeing you next week.